I'll go home as a beggar and never be your wife. Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Katie, and this is the Housewife Did It. True crime edition. We tried an interesting part two. Well, I was trying to decide between saying true crime edition and part two edition. Mm. Yes. Part two of the Grace and Gracie and Grant. I was about to say Grace and Granty. (laughs) (laughs) The Gracie and Grant Solomon cases. So we'll be picking up where we left off, which was back to the day that Grant died. But first, do you have any real-time true crime? Me? You're the yes. only other person here, Mary. Um, I do, actually. So glad you asked. Um, let me look it up. She comes to tis, folks. Tis but the work of a moment. In the late 80s, there were a, like, string of murders in Virginia um, along Colonial Parkway. And they were, like, a year apart, but they were all, like, Lover's Lane-type murders. And so they were linked together. Um, And they were, like, all a little bit different, but some people, like, pointed to it maybe being, like, what changed every time was some kind of escalation or, like, refinement. Mm -hmm. Like, Like logical changes. Right, like... Between the first and the second one, he had them go to, like, they they were found away from their vehicle. Mm. This first one, they were found in their vehicle. The second one, they were found away from their vehicle. Their vehicle was still found on Colonial Parkway, though. And then the last one, they were never found. Okay. So, like, maybe, you know. But they have named a suspect in one of the double homicides. Interesting. So... A man named Alan Wade Wilmer Sr. was That's named... That's a serial killer name if I've ever heard one. ...was named as a suspect in the murders of 14-year-old Robin Edwards and 20-year-old David Knobling. Second real-time true crime mystery. Mm-hmm. I could tell you if you want, if we have time, how they ended up there together. She was on a date with his young, younger, more age-appropriate cousin. Oh, cool. Um, no. Oh. It, the date didn't go well. Oh. And they, it's believed they were probably heading to go skinny dipping together. Uh-huh. There's also, like, her, like, previous boyfriend, I think, was, like, 26. Like, mm-hmm. she had, like, a reputation for, like, dating older men and, like, sure. being promiscuous. At 14 years old. Um, Gone. Yeah. It's tired. But he was also named in as a suspect in the murder of a woman named Teresa Howell, who is not one of the Colonial Parkway victims. Interesting. We have not. We have never heard of her. So, I mean, you may have, but not in this case. So keep bringing us up. So he has not been linked yet to the other two or three. The others. Yeah. The other three. Um, Colonial Parkway murders. And then the other one I had, apparently 215 bodies have been found underground behind, like, a jail in Mississippi. I don't know. It's It was, like, I have to look up the details on this one, too. Bear with me. We're going to be here all night. 
Yeah. And behind a Jackson, Mississippi jail. However, I do wonder, mm-hmm. I don't know the details. And so, like, I don't know, like, it's like a penal farm is where they were found. And, like, and there are unmarked graves over there. Yeah, I feel like back in the or day, like poppers if graves. You died while on the penal farm. They probably just buried you at the right. Farm. So like, we should find out who they are and like mm-hmm. give their families that information. But like, it I don't think it was like this like carefully kept secret mystery that they were there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the work of a serial killer. I'm no, guessing. it's not. This is not like a Dorothea Puente, mm-hmm. like uncovering within the yard situation. Yeah. yeah, that's all I have. Sorry, it took me so long to get it out. <laughs> it did. It was like the sloth it, or the whatever in Zootopia. Yeah, you're like a Mississippi jail. <laughs> you're like so unsure. Okay, folks. So, if you have not listened to part one of this case, I suggest you do so, because I'm not going to do a full recap. Also... And then listen to all of our other episodes, and tell your friends to listen to them, and leave reviews on them, If you haven't listened to season one, you will need to hear all of it before you understand this case. (laughs) Well, we do, actually, in part one, we did make a lot of references to season one. Yeah. So, um, you can let us know on part one if you already have some theories, thoughts, whatever, and then you can let us know on part two if anything has changed or how you're feeling then. Also, I mentioned this in part one, but I will mention it again just in case you've forgotten or you are ignoring my advice to listen to part one first. I'm going to give another content warning. This case still includes content related to abuse, child abuse, child sexual abuse, and grooming. So, that has not changed. Unfortunately. Yeah. So today we're going to get more into the details of Grant's death, and then we will get to recent updates in the case, kind of where things stand right now. So, when Grant went to pitching practice with his dad that morning on June 20th, Grant had not been alone with Aaron in about two years. In fact, Angie recalls that when Grant was leaving that morning, he said to her, Mom, I don't want to die in Gallatin today. It's unclear what ended up motivating him to go to WPI with his dad, but according to that statement, it would seem that he was quite scared to do so. Aaron's story is that he was checking his emails after Grant pulled in and parked next to him, and that when he looked up, and next to him, the truck was no longer there. Then he saw it moving backwards, where he would then find Grant underneath it. He did not describe hearing any sort of commotion, not a person screaming, not a car scraping the ground, or a ditch full of rocks, large rocks, might I add. Grant was found underneath the truck with his head face up, with his head facing toward the front of the truck and the WPI building. His feet were out toward the road and the bed of the truck. So essentially, he's in line with the truck. Mm. Head where the head is, feet where the... Is he under the bed or the cab? He's under the bed, mostly, I think. 
yeah, I think mostly, maybe a little in the middle. I just can't imagine how in the world you step out of the driver's side of your car and it suddenly, in a split second, Mm -hmm. has rolled over you and dragged you down a ditch. Cars Mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah, and, like, even if it somehow wasn't in park, it would be moving quite slowly. Mm-hmm. There would be nothing on the gas. Right. So he's either behind the truck at the bed of the right. truck, which I still think you would have enough time, or even worse, he's at the side of his truck where he certainly would have time right. to get out of the way. Also, the story is that he would have fallen backwards, so the truck would have hit him, he would have fallen backwards, then how is his head facing forward Look, under the truck? I, I know he's 6'4", but I I have notoriously long legs. And yet, when I step out of my car, I'm still next to it. I don't, like, magically step. My husband is 6'3". When he steps out of the car, he's not behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean... In Aaron's original story, he was getting his equipment out of the back before mm-hmm. it started moving, which is a whole other question. Like, why would it not start moving right. the moment you left it in park, but it starts moving later? But then also, again, if you're facing forward instead of backwards, but you mm-hmm. fell backwards, then that would indicate that you would have taken some tumbles, some some rolling around happened, and there is no evidence on Grant's body right. of... Any, really any damage. Like, he's, like, standing um, like this. The truck, mm-hmm. behind the truck, the truck starts rolling backwards. Mm-hmm. And he somehow goes like this mm-hmm. instead of like this. No. Instead of flattening it, right. he somehow dives underneath it just for fun. Like, I, yeah. I, does not make sense. No, yeah, we have to be so serious. That's, like... It, the most ridiculous laughable, thing I've yes. ever heard. Right. Now, we will hopefully be able to include these photos on YouTube of the truck scene. But if you're on audio, I'm going to try to do my best to describe it. So, picture the truck originally facing the building with its back out toward a main highway. According to Aaron's story, the truck moved backwards toward the road and pinned Grant underneath it, which we just explained why that doesn't make sense. When first responders arrived to the scene, the truck was in a ditch with its nose down in the middle of the ditch and the tail of the truck facing upward and out toward the highway. So essentially, the truck would have run into the ditch backwards. So it's going backwards. It would booty dive down into the ditch but somehow through the rocks it pushed its way back upward almost back out of the ditch to where it could have just kept driving onto the road backwards if that's what it's doing except somehow it just stopped so it made it all the way through the blockade of the ditch booty dived and came back up and then, with no blockade behind it, just stopped. Sounds like some kind of a Herbie fully loaded horror film. Yeah. Like, the car with no driver, not even a key in the ignition, mm-hmm. 
is doing a lot of work. In part. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems to me that the tail end of the truck would have been stopped by the rocks in the ditch, yet somehow it pushed all the way through them, does not, it has minimal damage to the back, so not really consistent, but I won't lie and say there's no damage. Um, but then what made it stop where it did? Is it like, I mean, this is like kind of bad to think about, I guess, but we must. Is it like the pure, like, dragging of a body underneath that it just like couldn't keep going like grant stuck on the rocks so then the truck can't keep going but like you'd think this toyota tacoma has got a little more power and can just keep on going yeah so i don't know i definitely don't Uh, think it would have like put that thing down flipped it and reversed it out of the ditch back out of the ditch you know i know that would be the last thing i would think happened yeah, I've, like, driven my car into a ditch that didn't have mm-hmm. rocks in it, and I as have could I. not, I could not get it out to save my life. Right. And you're telling me I should have been able to just keep on fucking driving forward through it, and I, I just would have come back up? No. <laughs> That's not how this I... works. I drove my, our mom's car into a ditch once, and the only way it got out was because we lived in a very rural area, and a boy that had dropped out of our school and recognized us happened to be driving by with a tow truck. Nice. So, yeah, like, the idea that, and and, and when we say rocks, like, boulders, these, like, boulders. They're, like, mini boulders, but, yes. Yeah. They're bigger like than, like, big pebbles. rocks. Yeah, they're yeah. big rocks. Like, the kind that you put in a, a ditch. Are, the, the truck is going, like, beep, beep. Yeah. Over. But then oh, it stopped on the sidewalk? The rocks. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, that sidewalk's too much for me. Yeah. It's a really big rock. In addition, like I said, the truck did not have significant damage to the back bumper. Nor did the undercarriage have significant damage after pushing itself through a ditch of rocks. Well, it has something between. Not the whole undercarriage. Okay. I mean, right? Like, the rocks could still come up where there's not a body. Unless. I mean, the body also didn't have. I was going to say, unless he stays in the same place the whole time in the truck. Unless he stays in one place the whole time and the truck kind of, like glides over him maybe it wouldn't get so much damage but i think it would still have some yeah how would he not go along with the truck i don't know i look i (laughs) i lost my sense of reason in this situation a long time ago how could how could any of it now if you recall from aaron's 911 call in part one So I'll say again, if you haven't listened, you must. If you're calling, I must quit. You must listen. Yeah. Um. In the 911 call, Aaron is supposedly speaking to three men who are down in the ditch talking to Grant, while he stays many feet away on the phone with 911. However, Aaron does not mention the three men in his written statement. A WPI employee witnessed the aftermath of the event, and in his statement, 
Mr. Hall claimed that when he came outside of the building, he saw Aaron Solomon alone pacing in the parking lot on the phone. He heard Aaron yell to Grant that help was on the way. In all reports, including Aaron's, he never went down to the ditch area while Grant was in it, stuck underneath his truck, to see if Grant was okay or attempt to get him out. Now, here's where I found a few inconsistencies in reporting. So first, I had read that that WPI confirmed that Aaron and Grant did not have an appointment for pitching practice that day. Now, I'm not sure if an appointment was necessary, but I was assuming that since it was noted that an appointment is at least probably the norm. Mm -hmm. But then I read elsewhere that the WPI manager stated that Aaron had asked to rent WPI out for the day and to close it to the public. Both of these could be suspicious in their own ways, but obviously these are very different stories. He said, look, I have $100,000 with your name on it. Mm-hmm. Ask anyone in this town. Mm-hmm. I will give you $100,000. I do it all the time. Yeah. Another inconsistency is that although the employee's written statement says that he saw Aaron Solomon alone, it was also reported somewhere that the WPI employee did see three men with Aaron Solomon wearing construction-like uniforms. I'm not sure if this is an inconsistency between the employee's first and then written statement, or if this is a misreporting from somewhere. But that's what I got. In the report written by the responding officer, he says that Aaron Solomon reports seeing his son walk to the back door area of his truck and then noticed that the truck was no longer parked next to him. When Aaron got out of his truck, he heard a loud crash and then saw the truck in the ditch. The officer was unable to locate any other witnesses to the incident, and WPI does not have any cameras outside of their building. Now I'm going to go through a few things that people struggle to make sense of in this case, as it pertains to the way Aaron describes it happening. We've already named a lot. So... First, Aaron says that Grant went to get his baseball gear out of the back of the truck, originally the bed of the truck. Many questioned why, during Tennessee July, someone would keep expensive baseball gear in the bed of their truck. Aaron later tweaked his story to say that Grant was probably actually getting his gear out of the back seat, meaning that he was at the side of the truck accessing the back seat. If Grant were at the side of his truck and it started rolling backwards, do you not think that he would have jumped or even simply stepped out of the way? I would even go so far as to say he could have stayed exactly where he was and not have had a problem. Might have gotten his little toesy squished. That's it. (laughs) Squished. But, like, how, how, in your story, do you not think it's more likely my 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 son's just a dummy who doesn't take care of his equipment. He left it in the back in the bed. Or even my son usually doesn't keep his equipment out in the hot sun, but he did this time. Instead, you went with putting him in a part of the truck that wouldn't even kill him. He would be fine over there. Unless because we've seen this truck do a lot of things so far. The truck on its own. Mhm. Pulled ahead. Mm-hmm. 
backed it up mm-hmm. and lined itself up with where Grant had been standing at the side, and then and he came still back. didn't have time. Yep. As he watched his baseball <laughs> here, he watched his baseball here roll away and then come back. He. I mean, to be fair, in that situation, you might be a little bit too much in awe to move out of the the fully loaded of the Herbie fully loaded horror movie. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Uh, How is my car going like that? But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's more plausible that a teenage boy, because when you said in a Tennessee July, leaving his baseball equipment in the back of the car, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I know he plays baseball, but I think it's more plausible that a teenage boy did not think about the effect that the heat would have on his baseball equipment than, like... He was killed by the side of his truck. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> because like, even if, like, like let's, like, let's say he's digging in the back mm-hmm. as it starts rolling. Mm-hmm. He gets taken with it. Sure. The door, the door pulls, the door's open and it pulls him. It's, he's still wouldn't I don't think end up under it under it the way that he was yeah and also all the doors are closed in the pictures when people came to the scene all of the truck's doors were closed (laughs) you don't say it is also alleged that one of Grant's bats from the back of his truck was later discovered to be missing suspicious bats are weapons Yes. Aaron speculates that perhaps the truck just wasn't actually in park, which of course could just be someone trying to make sense of a situation that doesn't make much sense. But it was determined that the truck was found to be in park with the engine off. In fact, Grant's truck had a safety feature that would prevent it from turning off if not placed into park first. The Toyota Tacoma has a five-star safety rating and was found to be not defective. Forensics were supposedly run on the truck that showed that the truck was operated up until the last second. Now, later, we'll learn that the truck was almost immediately given to Aaron, so I'm not really sure when these forensics were run, but that's the report. Reportedly, they were run. Additionally, Grant was allegedly dragged across the parking lot pavement about 75 feet total before being trapped under the truck in the ditch. However, his injuries did not seem consistent with this. Grant had a significant head injury with a gash on the back of his head and a skull fracture. He was bleeding from his nose, ears, and mouth with dilated pupils but he did not have any burn or drag marks or injuries to the remainder of his body. His clothes were not even ripped. As I mentioned before, the truck also did not show the appropriate damage, nor did the grass. The grass leading from the parking lot into the ditch was entirely undisturbed, as well as the items in the car that were unmoved and none had been thrown to the floor. This man don't know how to stage a crime scene. Well, like, but also, like, the fact that nothing, like, did he airlift the truck into that ditch? Like, no, I think the the truck went in from the highway. Mm. So the grass from the park. And not a single person saw that? What time was it? 
he ended up making the the 911 call at 844. Mm. So could have been early. I mean, it is weird because they do talk about this being like a pretty like main highway. It is Gallatin, Tennessee. So, I mean, what is like a main highway really look like yeah. on like a Saturday morning at 7 or 8 a.m.? And like how hard would it really be to wait till you don't see cars pull it literally doesn't even look like the car is like wrecked. So he would have just pulled it down into the ditch, gotten out, run up to the hill, gotten on the phone. Like yeah. it may not be that. Is the idea that like he killed Grant and then staged it to look like like move the car or that he ran Grant over? Because mm, I feel like or oh. I mean, I think, I don't know that there's, like, a super solid theory here. Yeah. Because I just think there's no way that Grant was ever pulled under that car in any capacity. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll get into it more, and then I'll tell you my theory when you have the rest of the information. I don't hear a lot when it comes to this case of, like, theorizing of what actually happened. And I mm-hmm. think maybe that's a carefulness for the fact that, like, this case is trying to be reopened. And so yeah. people don't well, expect like, it I think too much. But also you have bigger yeah. things to focus on when it's like very trying not... to just get someone to believe that this kid was murdered. Right. And, like, it's just very clearly didn't happen the way it was said to happen. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little confusing what must have happened. So now... Like we were saying, it was a fairly busy road, but perhaps early enough on a weekend morning that there may have been intervals with no people around. Now, people who recall driving by the scene after Grant was underneath the truck did say that it looked like a wreck or just a car that had run off the road. Because it does look like a car that has run off the road. Probably because it is a car that's run off the road. But, whatever. When... Allegedly. When police arrived on the scene, they were only there for 57 minutes total before the last person left. The last person? When did the total. first person leave? Who freaking knows, but crime scene was closed after 57 minutes. They did not have to unpin Grant from the undercarriage of the truck in order to safely remove him. They made no attempts to look for the three men that Aaron alleged were in the ditch looking after his son just before their arrival. Literally just before their arrival. If we recall in the 911 call, he's talking to these men and then we hear the sirens. Is he like shouting during the 911 call at nobody? There is a part, people have like really, um, in one of my other sources, it's called Corruption. It's a podcast just on this case. And... They had someone, like, do, like, listen to the 911 call and, like, listen to the background. There is a moment where you can hear someone. I wonder if it's the WPI employee that said he came out while Aaron was Mm -hmm. on the phone. But, yeah, I mean, it's a working theory that there were not three men, that he just wasn't down there. That's crazy. Investigators did not do any tests on Aaron Solomon's phone to confirm whether or not he was checking emails at the time that he said he was, and Grant passed away a few minutes after arriving at the hospital and was pronounced dead at 9.28 a.m. So that is why I say 
no, he was not just like brought there, mm-hmm. dead after the fact. So, but I mean, I just I don't mean like brought there dead, but like, well, I just that mean he like was even killed like at the mm-hmm. WPI place and then just placed under the truck or laid in the ditch and then the truck was backed up. I think it's possible that there's still a missing bat and mm-hmm. a head injury that could have either taken a place in a way where Grant fell into the ditch and mm-hmm. then the truck was just placed over him or he could have been physically placed there although his dad is 58 um small guy so my like kind of very loose theory is that it's possible that he was struck with an object knocked unconscious and then the truck was just placed gingerly on top of him because that's how the truck is found Even, the like, truck is not found yeah. attached to him in any way i was gonna say if the and risk that makes more sense like, to me that he would have fallen face forward yeah at the risk of sounding cruel and i know that when we talk about like murders that there's often like some strange version of guilt or like mm-hmm. compassion but like if you really want people to think he was dragged by that truck why is it backed up so carefully like mm-hmm. hit the pedal you know but like if you really want to prove your it point wasn't backed up at all i think oh but i i still like sure I mess up the truck right again not to like i hate saying this about like an 18 year old boy or anybody but like mess up the body like if you really want someone to believe that he was run over by a truck you have to like you have to understand like, that the moment that truck is moved the story doesn't fit anymore, right 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 like, you have to like but it doesn't seem that he has any like fear of like oh shit when they move that truck they're gonna realize this story don't make no sense right like he like, clearly has not been run over by a truck right like i've heard like crazy ass stories about like the what do they call the medical examiner in North Carolina where Michael Peterson's uh Kathleen Peterson's case was mm-hmm. and they had like people that they said like for sure died in a car accident and later they found a bullet hole in their head and right. it's like that's how I feel like we are right now right like there is not a single shred of evidence on that body that what was said to have happened happened right so at the very least someone hit him from the front maybe the truck's tall enough to hit a six five guy in the head i don't know knocks him in the head and he falls down and that he would that would at least account for the way he fell it would account for the no dragging but it's like that's not even the story like right it feels like Again. the story is as far as it could possibly right. be from what the body said. They're not even he's not even like trying to get them closer together. And and you know, I would never give advice to murderers never. on this podcast. But like you just don't like you didn't think for a second like Yeah. But like that about how trend. you were going to get away with it? That's the trend with Aaron Solomon is like he doesn't seem to he have, doesn't fear have to about that. Yeah. He said to his wife, "Yeah, I'm sexually abusing our kid. And what are you going to do about it? Right. He tried to murder her in front of two witnesses, though they were children, still two witnesses, but was like, what are you going to do about it? And it's just like, I don't 
think he thinks he's touchable. You right. Know? And, I mean, so far. Yeah. Without, oh, I almost skipped ahead. Before his mother, Angie, had arrived, Aaron had already signed off declining an autopsy to be performed on his son. Without an autopsy, the hospital determined that Grant's cause of death was cardiovascular and respiratory arrest caused or at least affected by his traumatic head injury. Which kind of doesn't help us. Angie described being extremely surprised when she first saw Grant's body at the hospital post-mortem because she assumed that his body would have been crushed or at least more significantly injured. Investigators did not, and still have not, done any sort of accident reconstruction at the scene. In fact, later, a man would go by the scene and found glasses and Grant's cell phone that had just gotten left behind. That 57-minute crime scene sweep just really didn't cut it, folks. Can you imagine how awful it must feel to see your child and and like in a way feel like they disappointed yeah like this should be worse and like and somehow that's worse to yeah you know like obviously losing a child is horrible but yeah. like at least if it were an accident you would feel like we couldn't have prevented this or like sure. I don't know what happened I wasn't there like it wasn't anybody's fault but like especially in the situation that she has been in her whole relationship with this man the second you see that that it's not what you expected it like of like her mind is immediately and that's horrifying and i think similar to what we said about gracie in part one is that angie knows what this man is capable of so when she hears from gracie this is what dad's doing to me she has to, for a second, think that could be true. But she hopes it's not. When her kid left her that morning, mm-hmm. he said, I hope I don't die today. And when she found out that he died, you know that her first thought was, did Aaron do this? Or yeah. maybe her first thought was, Aaron did this. But when she got to the hospital and she saw that body, she knew. Right. And she was like, that absolutely is not what happened. Right. If she if she had any doubt on her way to the hospital that Aaron was capable of it, she now knew like he did this. Yeah. It makes me like sick to my stomach thinking about like how like helpless that is that like one like because of Aaron who Aaron is, but like that everyone is telling you and believing that this was like a horrible crazy accident and like you know it's not. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Yeah, and it, like, seems so obvious, and it is kind of so obvious, but to her, it's also informed by who she knows Aaron to be. Right. And so I think it's, like, how do I shake these people to realize that, like, this is clearly not what he says it is, even if they don't have the experience with him that I have. Now, the finding of Grant's cell phone and glasses means that, obviously, no tests were run on his phone, Mm -hmm. on his glasses on anything when the random man found grant's items he just happened to know one of aaron solomon's best friends and gave them to him to pass along to aaron 
It is actually reported that there were police photos taken of the phone in which it was not damaged, but once the phone was later given back to Angie after passing through Aaron, it was shattered in a kind of spidered fashion as if someone had smashed into its center. We also have a photo of that, so if you're on YouTube. However, if police photos were taken and the phone was still left there, then I am confused. I said, let's have a picture and drop it. Bye. We don't really need it. We just pictures. And maybe they mean like pictures of the whole like area were taken and you can tell from the picture that the phone's not broken. I don't really know. But anyway, Angie writes on the Freedom for Gracie website, quote, Grant's glasses were found up by the sidewalk. Grant could not see without his glasses and always wore them. If his glasses are here, the obvious conclusion is that Grant was last standing here, not at the top of the parking lot, end quote. So kind of same thing I was saying. The truck seems, by physics, to have come in from the highway, had to pass the sidewalk, and go down into the ditch. If Grant's glasses fell off, they didn't make it all the way from the parking lot, drag across, no shattering, no scraping, and make it all the way, and then fall away from him. So, likely, if he was struck in the head or struck by a car, they fell off at the last place that he was standing upright. The glasses have the same powers as Herbie. They, they said, just want everything is just inanimate objects everywhere in Gallatin. The, the, Aaron's like, this is genius. Yeah, incredible. After Grant's death, Aaron had continued to drive Grant's truck around, even after alleging that the truck's malfunctioning had caused his son's death. Gross. Life360 also showed that Grant's phone was being driven around Hendersonville the day after Grant's death. So again, I'm not sure how soon after the incident the man had found the phone and Mm -hmm. got it back to him, or if this means Aaron drove around with the phone and then went and put it back. But I don't see why he would do that. So maybe the man found them just later that day, and he already had them by the next day, or had the phone. So, unclear. But Life360 don't lie. So, <laughs> Angie recalls members of the Grace Chapel Church coming over to her home two days after Grant's death, and according to her, were describing injuries on Grant that, to her knowledge, were not accurate and seemingly trying to convince her that it was an accidental death. When Angie went, why do they know anything? Yeah, weird ass people. No. When Angie went to the, my son, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm still- <laughs> Back it up, back it up, back it up. My son is still dead. Like, what difference does it make? Can you imagine, like, thinking that that's comforting in some way? Well, at least... Or, like... At least his truck that you bought him just malfunctioned and killed him, like... And, like, specifying his injuries? Yeah. Like, could you imagine, like, someone in your family died? my son's injuries and I don't? Right. And, like... And they're going through every detail with you, like, right after it happened? Yeah. Fuck the fuck off. Oh. Like, yeah. get the fuck away from me. Like, are you, yeah. how impolite can you, like, we, like, you know when, like, somebody posts, like, rest in peace to somebody on, mm-hmm. like, Facebook or something, and you're, you're like, oh, like, I wonder what happened. 
But you would never, but you wouldn't, some people might, and those people are unhinged, but normal people would not message that person and say, what happened? Yeah. Because that's rude. Imagine if I took to your Facebook wall and I was like, I read the news, so sorry that your husband's skull was fractured, eyes, nose, and mouth were bleeding. Right. Like, fuck off like i don't mean i read the same thing like leave me alone jail jail time harassment i would i immediately catch a charge for talking to me goodbye goodbye now when angie went to the funeral home to see her son she had them open the entire casket to see grant it's her son Mm -hmm. when she noticed that his ankles had been broken The embalmer explained that they sometimes did this to fit tall people into caskets. Now, Grant was 6'4", but there were caskets made to fit people up to 6'5". Wait, they stopped making caskets after 6'5"? Rumor has it. I know people that are above 6'5". You could probably get, like, custom, I guess, but it's probably, like, what's at the funeral home. That's awful. Angie was horrified, and it seems that this would have been entirely unnecessary for the funeral home to have done. Right. Like, he fit in the casket. Yeah. That's horrific. Yeah. And it's also, like, do you not think now, we'll get into that the the funeral home didn't really consult Angie on anything, but do you not think that if you had set, like, I I don't know if they're alleging that they don't have the 6'5", the extra long people casket, and that's why this happened, but you don't think that Angie would have approved a casket that her son could fit in without mutilating his body? Right. Like, no, I'm, like, sad because my husband is six foot three. I don't want his, his ankles. Extra long. Broken. Get that. You you watch him. I'm watching you. He's well, not. I, I, I always tell him he can't. He's not. It's not in the cards for him to die anyway. Unless you commit a crime like you murder him and are very powerful and need it covered up i think you're probably good but they said they sometimes do that don't oh well yeah i mean don't ever some don't do that ever no wrong like cut a hole in the bottom of the casket and let their feet stick out like like come on now (laughs) any anything Mm -hmm. else prop them up at an angle yeah Fetal position. Whatever. Yeah. Bend the knees a little. Yeah. Stuff a pillow under them. Anything else. Yeah. The funeral home director, Pam Stevens, also threw away Grant's clothes and belongings, including his clothes from the incident, without letting anyone know. Or maybe she did let Aaron know. But she certainly did not ask Angie if she wanted to keep her son's clothes before she destroyed them. One of many people that we will find out are connected to Grace Chapel is Pam Stevens. So that's two on the board now. The Dina Johnson who banned Angie from filing any more motions for four years was a Mm -hmm. Grace Chapel member. And Pam Pam Stevens funeral director is a Grace Chapel member. So, just keep it up here. 
Around this time, Aaron also told Gracie and Angie that they can be a family again. You're confused, sir. Nobody fucking asked. Yep. We weren't holding out for that. Ah, thank God. Cool. We want to be family with you now more than ever. Sounds like a definite. Now, I'm going to play for you Aaron Solomon's speech at his son's funeral, and then we'll get your thoughts. But I don't want to hear it. Yeah, it's painful. For those that may not know, I'm Grant's dad. Before I begin, I have to say a huge thank you to everyone who's here, who may be watching, who has reached out via social media, calls, text. The outpouring of prayers and support has been overwhelmingly, indescribably amazing. The entire family appreciates it, feels it. It truly makes a difference. It does help. People have said there are no words. I know there aren't any words, but prayers matter. All right, you've heard a lot about the teenage years with Grant. I'm going to give you a few funny things about Grant you may not know. Most of you may not know. Just a few of us know. You might have noticed in two of the pictures of the slideshow from his birthday, the, the night he was born. If you notice, his eyes were just so wide open. From the moment he was born, he had this wide-eyed curiosity about the entire world. It was like he was studying and exploring every family member that held him that first night, starting with his mom. His eyes were so wide, and and because he was passed around with, with close family, within an hour, we had given him the nickname Mr. Peepers. That was his first nickname because of his eyes. And he was Mr. Peepers for a few years until things graduated and other stuff. Now, thanks to um, sports playing a major role in the lives of both of his parents growing up, Mr. Peepers had a baseball, a football, a basketball, and a basketball goal in his crib when he got home from the hospital. Got to start him early, right, coaches? You know? But his curiosity went way beyond just sports. You may have also noticed a couple of pictures from the slideshow that appeared to be dinosaur-themed, right? If you noticed that, that was the great dinosaur birthday party, complete with one of the grandmas in costume, because Grant loved dinosaurs, couldn't get enough. So from like age two to four, me and Angie found every dinosaur book we could find on the planet. And he wanted me to teach him how to pronounce every name properly, like at two and a half. I'm not kidding. So I'm, I'm not talking like T-Rex and Velociraptor, man. That's, that's the easy stuff. He's got that. No, I'm talking Brachiosaurus. I'm talking about Archaeopteryx. Yeah, you didn't know that one. I'm talking about Gigantosaurus. Yes, five-syllable dinosaur names, and all, the, all of them. He knew how to say all of them correctly, and he would correct adults often if you spoke them incorrectly, but he would do it in a nice way. Now, around that same age, um, we found out that he really liked baseball 
and he wasn't too bad. Um, he had not turned three years old yet. We're in the yard and he's hitting a plastic ball with a plastic bat off a plastic tee. And he's cranking some out. Mind you, he's not three yet. And all of a sudden, he just leans over, knocks the tee down and says, I don't need that anymore. And me and Angie look at each other like, what is what is he talking about? He's not even three. Um, but I'm like, hey, he's calling me. out. OK, I got you. So I get the ball. I get like 10, 12 feet away. And, and I just you know, I'm, I'm it's the little soft, gentle, soft toss. First one cranked up on the roof of the house. I'm not kidding. Me and Angie look at each other with jaws on the ground. We're like, all right. And I'm like, all right, let me get that ball back. That was just beginner's luck, right? Right. Second softball, just boom, 10 feet away, cranked up onto the roof of the house again. I'm like, all right. I get the ball. I'm like, all right, let's try this out. So I get about 15 or 16 feet away. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And I give an overhand pitch. You can probably guess what happened. An absolute laser that like almost takes out a window on the side of the house. And it's, you know, it's a plastic ball. And we're just like, what in the world? So from that moment on, he's not even three. I threw overhand like that to him even last week. One little side note, T-ball parents were tripping out when that started happening because he started playing immediately in T-ball and I'm throwing overhand to a T-ball player and and that kind of, you know, they were like, whoa, and then they saw. All right, there's a couple funny stories that a lot of you didn't know. Now, as long as I can remember, I've always believed that things happen for a reason. And I think maybe it was born from the fact that my birth father died in Vietnam when I was seven months old. So for years as a kid, I wondered why, you know, we're all wondering why right now. But then later, I realized that it had to be a godly thing. He was the why. If my dad had not died, my mom would not have remarried the man who loved me, adopted me and raised me and moved us to Tennessee, which led me to having two amazing sisters. It also allowed me to meet Angie, which led Angie to giving birth to the two most amazing children, Grant and Gracie. Godly things. The way we were led to discovering Grace Christian Academy. We discovered it during its first year. Tiny school started right in this building. Then Grant started here in third grade and Gracie was in preschool in its second year of existence. And you've heard from a couple of his original classmates that have been with him along this journey. But that's a godly thing that we ended up here. That Grant and Gracie ended up here. Fast forward to Monday morning. 
around 8.45, something happens right beside me that is such a blink of the eye, bizarre, fluky, tragic, unexplainable accident that takes Grant's spirit from this earth. And the only way I can rationalize it in my mind is it's a godly thing. And while it has me, his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, his family, his scores of friends, teachers, coaches, and teammates, heartbroken, mad, confused, and a lot of us asking why, ever since Monday morning, I, along with his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, his best friend, his family, his scores of friends, teachers, coaches, and teammates have been experiencing Grantly things. And Pastor Steve, pardon me, I don't mean that in a blasphemous way. At Monday night's prayer vigil, Ed Cash starts talking about Grant and the most vibrant rainbow I've ever seen appears right there in front of us. You can see both ends, which I've never seen. And it's right in front of the gathering. And it's actually almost a mirror image of the formation of the arc that the crowd had gathered in right there. That's a grantly thing. At the same time, 763 miles away in Sarasota, Florida, Grant's good friend and former teammate, Carson Ford, who was just up here, is sitting on the beach in Sarasota, mourning about the loss of his friend and thinking about Grant. He didn't know anything about the rainbow back here in Leapers Fork, but guess what appeared to Carson? A rainbow. That's a Grantly thing. And of course, as we've all shared and talked about, there have been multiple rainbows around all over here ever since Monday. And ever since Monday, Angie and I have been bombarded with stories from people a lot like what you've heard, but of other ages as well, adults, um, people that he didn't play with and go to school with, people who hadn't met him, but telling us how Grant positively impacted their life. There are scores more that didn't even share today that have been shared with us, and that means a lot. One young man came through the visitation line last night and gave me an envelope with five written pages. Um, three to me explaining what Grant meant to him and two more pages written to Grant telling Grant what he meant, which is a lot of what you've heard. What truly warms our heart to know that our son made people feel that way. I know it warms mine. Lots of stories. Just this morning, Brent Doherty, friend of mine, sends me a picture of his son, Will, at a 13U baseball tournament in Jackson, Tennessee, with his son wearing the crosses painted on his face. And he's 12. And he said, 4G money. But the Grantly thing that so far blows my mind the most, after the accident scene was cleared Monday, a man was looking around the scene and found Grant's cell phone, his GCA baseball hat, 
and what's left of the sports goggles he was wearing. Ironically, this man just happens to know one of my best friends, Lee, and gets my number from Lee, texts me to know that he has Grant's things and he wants them returned to his family. This man is 55, 56 years old, admits to Lee that he has never in his life been a believer, ever. Had done a couple things in his life and lived rough, just didn't believe. But he tells Lee, what happened to Grant Monday has affected him so deeply that he's a believer now. That is Grant teaming up with the ultimate coach to win even bigger games than he won down here. That's a Grantley thing. All right. I know that was long, but I needed to I needed you to hear the beginning and I needed to get you through to the man being saved. Yeah. So touched by the death of a child. Mm-hmm. Like what? Okay. Like, so touched by what? Weirdo. It's giving megachurch preacher. Yes. I was going to say, I think that a lot of the things he said, I think, could be very touching when you are, like, speaking about your son and your experience raising him and his, like, quirks and mannerisms and, like, things he loved. Except for the fact that there was no emotion and it, like, quickly transitioned into, like, evangelizing people. Mm -hmm. I don't know how no one stood up and yelled at him, Mm -hmm. saying that God took his son on purpose. I also, Mm -hmm. I feel like, with all of the things that Gracie's friends knew about their dad, I feel like Grant's friends probably also knew about his dad. So, like, I feel like... Knowing that one of his friends had just spoken, and then his dad was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that." Um, I also like he's he's straight up lying in there. Like, first of all, you did not see both ends of the rainbow. You did not see any ends of the rainbow. You ding dong. Secondly, it's like giving one of those like Facebook parents that's like, my child just came to me and said, like. God is the best thing in the whole world, and I hope I can serve him every day. And you're like, no, they fucking did it. Like, no. I, no hate to Grant. He did not, at three years old, hit a plastic baseball so hard. That it almost broke the that window. That it almost broke the window. <laughs> like, like I'm sure he was phenomenal at baseball. For a three-year-old. Okay. Sure. Compared to the other three-year-olds, he was great. Plastic balls don't break windows. Right. Again, the defying the laws of physics, Aaron. <laughs> there was something else he said that I was like, no, you're you're sim like you aren't getting any smarter. No. The um, I don't know like if I don't know that I would say this is like a straight up lie because I don't really know what the benefit is, but. It's Angie who says, like, what was found at the scene by the man was the phone and the glasses. And he says it was his pitching goggles or his baseball Mm -hmm. goggles. So I don't know if he just, like, doesn't know or 
if he realizes like what the glasses being there would mean so he like wants it to be something else yeah i don't know is it like what's left of them Mm-hmm. what a crazy man yeah if i were i i get like i don't know i guess in some way i get like with angie and gracie like it's been proven time and time again that like if they go up against him they will lose but like yeah. if i were grant's girlfriend and that man lumped me in with him and then said god took him on purpose i would have been like whoa, whoa excuse whoa, the fuck whoa, out of you whoa, whoa. and like i'm so glad my dad died so that my mom could marry someone who would take care of me like your dad could your like, dad could have taken care of you like mm-hmm. wh- like are you saying your dad like wouldn't have taken care of like i don't yeah. understand <laughs> i get what he was saying about like and then i wouldn't move to tennessee and then i wouldn't have sure, my sure. kids like i think all the time like how crazy is it that me and my husband went to the same college at the same time if you just had it like would right good good luck truly but like i don't know that was that was a wild thing to say out loud yeah all of it the whole thing was wild to say out loud yeah all right although aaron had been mostly abiding by gracie's wishes for the past couple of years after grant's death he no longer wanted to do so because they're family again Two months after Grant's death, Aaron emailed Angie saying, quote, I have been more than patient and willing to work together the past two years for the betterment of our children. I do believe that children should have both parents directly involved in their lives. Unfortunately, your continued actions prove you do not believe the same thing. Not when you're the second parent. I do not. Right. I Like, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't believe... That children need two parents in their lives. Mm-hmm. Especially if when one, one of them <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah. He continues, Gracie needs both parents in her life. I am willing to co-parent 50-50 at the moment, but nothing less. I will pick up Gracie from your house Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. and drop her back off at your house the following Sunday at 4 p.m. If you are not willing to join me in co-parenting Gracie and or she is not ready to go with me at four o'clock on Sunday, I will enforce the court documented parenting plan paperwork. End quote. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, Gracie filed a restraining order against her father, but this did not stop him from showing up at her school. He would wander around GCA football games and the school building, not for the purpose of picking up Gracie, but just recreationally. This no, inc- that's this not fun. Is, no, and this is incredibly worrisome given Aaron's history of texting and grooming minors. Though at football games, friends of Gracie's have said that it often seemed he was looking for her and they would have to hide their friend to keep her away from him. Gracie also alleges that her father had taken photos up the dresses of girls on the homecoming court. Gracie became so scared of her father being able to take her from school that she stopped attending altogether. On the Corruption podcast, Gracie mentions that during the time that she had a no-contact order against her father, he bought her two yearbooks. She went to pick her yearbooks up at school and was told that she had three, one that her mother had bought for her, probably upon her request, and then two from her father. She assumes that one was meant to be for her and the other one was for him. 
She reports that she told them to keep those, and she just took her one. Again, it would be very strange for a sexual predator and pedophile to just have the GCA yearbook for himself. Correct. Angie even spoke to the school administration, asking them to help guarantee Gracie's safety at school, but the principal replied that they don't have the resources at the school for individual security. Bitch, that's I'm not, not what she's fucking asking fo- for. I don't need nobody to follow her around all day. Just keep this guy out of the school. He has no reason to be there. She doesn't need individual security, school security. What is he at the school for? There is not a school in this fucking nation <laughs> at this point in time that does not have a doorbell camera. Mm-hmm. So when that man comes to the doorbell camera and the door is locked don't unlock it hello who are you here for what student do you have here oh gracie solomon the one with the restraining order against you anyone else no then go away letting him in while she has a restraining order is breaking the law the law yep they don't care about the law so they did they would have reported a long time ago while they will do what they can to uphold the no-contact order, they cannot ban him from the school's campus. Yes, Even though, other than Gracie, he does not have a child going to school there. Also, it's a private school. You can do whatever the fuck you want. That's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. Another mom in Franklin, who was close to the Solomon family, wrote an open letter to Governor Bill Lee about this case, to which she did not receive a response. Shocker. She explained that she had spoken to private investigator Dan Hodges, who stated that it would have been impossible for Grant Solomon to have died without assistance. Yes. What a way to word that. (laughs) Yeah. This woman had reported Aaron for child abuse in the past, but now she wanted Governor Bill Lee to have his death reinvestigated. Not his own death, Grant's death. Yeah. (laughs) The way I said it, I was like, why would he do that? (laughs) Now she wanted Governor Bill Lee to have Grant's death reinvestigated. She confirmed that she and others who knew the family expected that Grant would testify against his father regarding the abuse as soon as he turned 18. Unfortunately for this case, Bill Lee also attends Grace Chapel and is very close friends with head pastor Steve Berger. No, the fuck he doesn't. He does. I told you. (laughs) Not all of you. Just Mary. I'm stressed. Like, if I, if I, okay. Mary's gonna die. I thought there was nothing in the world that could make me find Bill Lee any more atrocious but here I was wrong. Yeah. Just to be clear, it is not alleged that Billy sucks. Yeah. We will say it with our chests. I, I've tagged him in Instagram posts to let him know. <laughs> every, every time I talk about how horrible my job was last year teaching third mm-hmm. grade in Tennessee, I said, at Billy. Mm-hmm. Now, Steve Berger was mentioned before because Grant had met with him and outlined the abuse of himself, his mother, and his sister. 
but then Steve Berger lied, allegedly, and stated that Grant was coming to him for advice in his faith. In fact, Steve Berger told this story again at Grant's funeral. Repulsive. Was Bill Lee at that funeral? I need to know. Right. Tennessee is so fucking embarrassing. Disgusting. Literally, like, five fucking minutes into the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race, someone was, was like, and what Tennessee is doing, and I was like, I hate it here. I mm-hmm. hate, I, I am embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In May of 2021, Gracie published a video titled A Cry for Help, where she details the years of abuse by her father, including the rape in North Carolina. Now, the video is 18 minutes long, so I will not play the whole thing, but I will play parts. This is the second video she's posted with that title? No, this is the one I referenced earlier. Oh, okay. I'm just going to play it now. Yeah. She, like, talked about things from the past, so I was like, where do I put that in? But yeah. like, technically, we didn't find it out till 2020. Okay. To be able to tell you that my father raped me, and I'm not going to be a monster. He's a rapist, he's a molester, he's a liar, and he's a killer. I hate my dad. I'm absolutely terrified of him for everything he's done to me, my brother, and my mom. I don't want to call him my dad anymore. He's never listened to me. He's hurt me sexually, physically, and mentally. He has caused so much pain for my family. He has tried to manipulate me and has manipulated others, and it has worked. Ever since I was born, my dad has done all things. First, he never let my mom bathe me. It was always him. So by not letting my mom come in at all, it meant that he could do anything to me. I would always tell my mom I felt like I was more like a wife to him instead of his daughter. He would always bring his phone to the bathroom with him. At the time, I didn't know it, but I strongly believed he was taking pictures and videos. I had to learn to hide my body from him by flipping my hair over because he wouldn't leave me alone while I was showering or getting out. He would make excuses like me needing a towel or my hair was hard for me to wash on my own. So he would be able to help me. He is a sick person. After showering, he would sit me down in his lap with only a towel to brush my hair. He brushed through my hair so aggressively I would sometimes cry. I had terrible scars from that and they are still so long as me. I even remember taking a bath as a young kid, probably first grade, and him washing me with the Dove Bar soap completely up and inside of my garments. I know now that it was probably his hand, but I was too young to know any better. All of my grandparents knew about the abuse and still supported him. When I was at his house at night, I would sometimes feel like I couldn't control my body or I would get sleepy and wake up in my dad's bed. One night I woke up with rashes on my inner thighs, both, and my privates also burned frequently. One of Grant's friends, remembers looking over the he would always have control over Grant. Dad would just scream at Grant, like I could hear it from everywhere in the house. It was awful. One time Grant and I were watching TV together, and all of a sudden Dad comes up and grabs Grant by his shirt, pulls him up, and just yells at him in his face. It was so bad to watch. Dad would get into Grant's head so much. He would limit food and call him fat, criticizing just to the point where Grant would feel so awful. Dad would limit the time Grant had in the bathroom, on his phone, etc. Why the bathroom? Dad would keep our phones in his bathroom, which is locked. In his bedroom, that is also locked. Dad never wanted Grant to be around Hannah, his girlfriend, 
or any of his friends. My dad even kept all his letters and threw away some of the ones he didn't like. One of those multiple could have been what Grandpa wanted. Dad only wanted him to go to Ivy League schools. Dad also used Grant's truck as a way to control him too. Grant was so scared of him. He would apologize so much that if he did anything wrong, like if he was late to hit or if he was too sick, he was scared Dad would get mad. Even if he missed a day of school, the whole rest of the time he was worried about Dad. The day my dad took us, Grant tried to get out of the car to jump out to get back to mom. When he tried, dad grabbed Grant's wrist so tight, Grant thought it broke. And recently still, I would notice Grant touching that same wrist. Grant had a plan to run away with me, so we did. We got a few things together and went to my mom's house. Dad is and was an awful dad to Grant. I would never want Grant to even have to know somebody like him. And I'm happy for Grant because he will never have to deal with him. When she gives a reason, it kind of, like, okay. Yeah. She's, like, ugh, she's so impressive. At the end of the video, Grace C. directly requests an order of protection against her father. This was in 2021. At one point, I guess after this video, Franklin PD showed up at Angie's house to speak with her and Gracie about her rape. They had been sent by the FBI. However, the police reported back to the FBI that the case was closed and there was not enough evidence to support the rape allegations. Isn't the FBI, like, in, in charge, charge here? <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts on that video? After that video was released, Gracie was placed into DCS custody, where I believe she is still today. For or, what reason? Or was until recently. Um, I don't know. She has a whole ass mom. And, like, in that video, I think it's made very clear that, like, her mom is there for her. Mm-hmm. Her mom is, like, who she reported these things to. Um, so that is where, like, the title Freedom for Gracie I assume, came from on all this stuff. So Angie, at one point, got hopeful when a journalist asked to do a story with her on the case. But as they were getting close to the date, the journalist randomly canceled the interview. Angie would later find out that the organization had instructed the journalist to cancel the story. It seemed that everyone that could help Angie get help and justice for her kids worked very hard not to do so. To this day, Angie has not given up hope. She is posting nearly daily to the Freedom for Gracie Instagram page to get Grant's case reopened and Gracie freedom and safety from her father. I highly suggest you keep up with this story. In fact, Many people are watching this case closely because they fear that Aaron could come after Gracie and Angie next. Hopefully, we will be able to give y'all good updates as they come in this case. But for now, a few pieces of like new information that has continued to come out. So some things of note. In 2022, Aaron Solomon's housekeeper shared publicly that she was victimized by Aaron as well 
She described Aaron once asking her to join him in the pool, and when she declined, she later looked out the window to see him standing fully naked with an erection. As of November 2023, lawmakers in Tennessee are trying to pass a law that would seal off all records for any non-criminal deaths. The reason for the bill is unrelated to Grant's case, but would obviously have huge implications for the Solomon family. And in just the last couple of weeks, concerned Franklin citizens have filed a criminal complaint against GCA over their failure to report allegations of abuse. We have said this a million times ad nauseum, but it is noted in the criminal complaint that Tennessee is a mandata- mandated, a mandated reporter state for anyone over 18. So even if GCA did not believe the allegations, they were still required to report them. Also addressed it is in a the- felony. Yeah. To. All- to know sorry it is a felony to know about abuse and to not report it you can be arrested you can be fined Mm -hmm. it is against the law yeah also addressed in the complaint is that or is the fact that gca ignored gracie's valid restraining order against aaron so that is it any Thoughts? Any final theories? Do you feel good with the theories? Yeah, I do think it's like um, I think it's a good point that like to watch this case closely as like almost like a means of protecting like mm-hmm. Angie and Gracie, just because like I do th- I I do think about like Michael Peterson mm-hmm. and how like his first wife mm-hmm. or his neighbor or whatever also died on the stairs yeah. and the, and nobody knew about it. And so like, I, and, and I feel like we hear things like that, like where yeah. somebody, like something crazy happens to somebody and then they're like questioning it. And then they look back and like, wait a fucking second, like that happened before. Yeah. And so I think it's like, I think that there's less likely a risk of something happening to them because he's like being watched so closely by the public yeah and angie has said people always ask her why has she not moved and she said like honestly i feel safer here because so many eyes are on this because so many people are watching this if i leave he can follow me and there's no log of case files there's no track tracking of this like no one's watching out for us Mm -hmm. and here like, everyone's kind of, like, aware, you know? Also, she probably can't, like, take Gracie out I mean, of the state. Unless he has, I mean, she has a restraining order. So, That's true. she can probably get as far away from him as she wants. But, also, I forgot to mention, but just a little tidbit, Gracie has since left GCA and goes to a public school that she very much loves and is very much succeeding in and is incredible at track at that school. And so she's thriving. Yeah, girl. That public school will be doing it. So to close us out, um, like I've said, please go check out Freedom for Gracie on Instagram and freedom for number gracie.com to see how you can help this family and get more information. Also, I don't usually review my sources, but for this one, I just want to shout out some other people who are covering this case. 
the podcast Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon, has a very in-depth coverage of the case and includes lots of interviews with people close to the case. Anglican Watch posts updates and commentary on the case, like, pretty frequently, um, especially as it relates to Grace Chapel, GCA, and Tennessee public officials. So, there we have it. Yeah. Thanks for hanging for our first multi-parter. Yeah, that was a lot. We were recording for four and a half hours. Well. (laughs) Bye. Bye.